We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entering the Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 Week 11 DraftKings Picks Stacks Optimal Players. If you're looking for the cheat sheet, that'll be up on Saturday on DK Nation. My voice today brought to you by the flu. Not great times for me. Lots of NyQuil going on in my life. Hopefully it doesn't sound too disparaging to your earbuds because that would be bad news. I want you to listen because I have Ryan Hodge on the line with me, but I do want to let you know to play in the Pat Mayo Experience Listener's League. Link available in the description. Smash the like button of the episode. Sub to Mayo Media Network. Give me your favorite cheap guy. Any position or defense, I suppose, in the comment section, and use runthesims.com. Use runthesims.com slash mayo. You get a discount. You want to find your optimizer. You want to run 10,000 simulations of a player prop or the entire slate. Find the optimal percentages. You can do that at runthesims.com. Ryan Hodge, what's going on, my man? It's been a while. It has been a hot minute, Pat. Thanks for having me on today. And things are going well. You know, you say week 11. It's like, yeah, we are there, man. We We are crunch time. Uh, and it is, uh, it's, it's time to season long DraftKings. I mean, everything is just these fun, fun weeks where, uh, the seasons are really, or the season's really starting to shake itself out. I it just occurred to me like yesterday when I was mapping out content for the rest of the year that now that there's 18 weeks, I usually just record a bunch of stuff over like the holiday season. So I don't have to like do content. I can like spend time with my family. I'm like, Oh no, that's not going to work this year. Is it? No, it's not, man. It is a long season. And speaking of holidays, uh, next week, greatest all-time slate of the entire season of of any sport, Thanksgiving slate coming up. Uh, it's so much fun. And yeah, man, the holidays are quickly approaching. Yeah, so we'll have brand new content over Christmas. But for next week, we'll have two separate DraftKings shows, two separate spread pick shows. Davis is going to join me on Monday. So we're going to have the Thanksgiving DraftKings slate out early, and then we'll do the main slate 
over the course of the rest of the week, probably on Thursday in its normal time. But let's talk about this slate. Week 11, 12 games on the main slate. And I think the biggest question, a lot like last week with Ingram, Andy Ernest Johnson, was do you actually play these guys? And it turns out that if you wanted to win a million dollars, the answer was yes, you did want to play those guys. It's A.J. Dillon this week. He's in the low sixes. He's probably going to be like 25% owned. But I'm looking at the optimals right now. It's still early in the week. But his optimal rate is around like 26% right now. So even if he is 25%, that means I'm still going to use him. Yeah, I, th- I think you I think you have to. We, you know, we projected Ingram, Dearness Johnson for extremely high ownerships last week, 50 plus, uh, even in some some large field stuff. And I think we'll see something very similar with Dylan. His ownership will probably be down just a little bit due to the $6,200 price tag versus the um, you know, 45 and, and mid fours there from the running backs last week. But when you have running backs who project for this much volume and this much opportunity, and quite frankly, carry um, some pretty good touchdown equity, 25.5 implied team total here for Green Bay, I, you jam them in, you know, I, I will do this every slate Every year have been doing it. Every slate have been doing it every year. When we get these discounted running backs, you play them and they, they hit at that insanely high rates. And so the three out of the 10 times that it doesn't work fine, but you know, the other seven, um, I, I want to be there. So it's, he's too cheap, man. That seemed like the conversation last week with, I mean, and then Stevenson opened up when it turned out that he was active and Harris was out last second. I didn't end up on Stevenson because I had the other two guys locked in. It's like, well, I still feel better about those two guys than Stevenson. It turned out the move was to play all three of them and just pay up the receiver and hopefully you hit on Diggs and you hit on CeeDee Lamb and then you just printed money all week. But there's always a conversation about these cheap running backs is like, do you fade them? And I, I'm kind of in the same camp as you. I never do. I always pay if we can project out the right volume for them. And I, I felt pretty comfortable with that last week with Johnson and Ingram. And of course that we feel good with it. It's, it's better for Dylan this week than it was for those guys. And even though he has a more expensive price tag, like that is the starting block, I think, for the week. Yeah, just just to be clear and, and wrap up Dylan here, 23 opportunities on 36 of 74% snaps. Uh, it is an insane workload. That was last week. It is an insane workload. Like I said, great implied team total. And I don't know why people choose to fade a position that is one of the easiest to project from a volume and, and uh, opportunity standpoint when you have these wide receivers that are insanely volatile. Why don't you get unique with your, your ownership at those positions? Why would you do it with running back? It just, it doesn't click. And uh, the data suggests to not do it. So the math is there. The gut is there. The team total is there. Everything is just check, 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 man. All the boxes checked. So now when he scores seven points, you're going to get some angry tweets along with myself. <laughs> and yeah, that happens. Something You don't win yeah. every single time, but is yeah. it, is this going to kill like, will this boost like a Minnesota stack, do you think? Like, because people are using Dylan, do you think that forces them into Cousins and Jefferson and maybe even Thielen on the way back? Or do you think this is a standalone play? No, if anything, I would think it maybe suppresses some of the total cumulative ownership of both sides of the ball, whether it's Rodgers and Adams or it's it's Kirk and, and Thielen and Jefferson or Conklin or whoever it might be. Um, I, I think it actually suppresses their ownership just a little bit and we're seeing trends where people are not like forcing these run backs 
uh, not running backs, but these run backs, these bring backs of their stack. So I even think the field is starting to see that a little bit too. So uh, to directly answer your question, no, I don't, I don't think it'll raise their, their ownership in stacks just because of, uh, of Dylan being used as a player. Where do you think the best place to look at stacks is outside of the very obvious <laughs> Dallas and Kansas city game, which yeah. it, its total is 55 and a half right now. It could get up to 56 and a half. I think it's been flirting. It is 56 and a half at DraftKings Sportsbook right now. I, I actually like the Cowboys in this game. And the problem with these teams in particular, like the easiest stack that you can do is the Chiefs stack and just hope that Tyreek and Kelsey hit with Mahomes and then figure it out on the other side if you want to do one of these runbacks. But the Dallas side can get pretty ridiculous sometimes. Like Kansas City sucks against tight ends. It might be a good spot to use Schultz, but then Schultz could have one catch. And you're like, oh, I'll use Amari Cooper. And then Amari does nothing and CeeDee Lamb gets every single touchdown. But then it just turns out this is the week that Gallup ends up doing something. Or Zeke rushes for three touchdowns. Dallas, I find, is a very difficult team to get the right stack with. That maybe even just use Dak and CeeDee or Dak and whoever and maybe not try to overblow it because it increases your percentages of being wrong. Yeah, I, I think from a, a pure ceiling standpoint, as well as uh, the va- the value is okay, but from a pure ceiling standpoint, I actually think the the Dak CD Tyreek is is without a doubt the highest ceiling stack. Um, I prefer the Dak CD side of this ball than I prefer the Mahomes. Tyreek and then a run back. Um, Dallas has been pretty tough to opposing teams wide receivers. Their defense is clearly showing that that they're no joke here. And um, the passing volume we obviously know can be there for Dak when, when he needs it. But where am I looking outside of this game? I'll, I'll give him more of a theory answer here, and then we can talk about very specific picks. But I, I don't like to look just at the over-unders. If you look at like live totals, you'll find you know 56 points in this Kansas City-Dallas game. And then you go down to the next live total, and it's 50 points with the Colts and the Bills. But what you really need to pay attention to, and you have it listed right there in those two last columns, is the team totals. You have a 29 and a half point team total for the Bills, and you have a 20 point in a 20.5 team total for, for the Colts. I'm usually not playing guys on team totals that are that low. I would prefer to play something like the Bengals and Raiders, where they, even though the total is lower, they both have very healthy implied team totals, right? Or the card Seahawks. I think. Cardinals have been tough, but you can throw a little bit on the Seahawks. So maybe this is like where Kyler outside of week one and two, he actually gets there. I mean, I think he's averaging like 23 fantasy points over his last, you know, nine games where he hasn't had more than like 25. So he's kind of been brutal from a tournament standpoint, like big, large field millimaker stuff. Uh, But I think it's very, very important to focus on each team's specific team total. With that said, Michael Pittman's kind of an outlier in that Colts game. He has such a large market share of his team's uh, air yards. He's an alpha receiver in regards to like red zone usage. Uh, So like this is a spot where like, you know, volume and talent might trump that small team total, but I I would just really prefer to look at each individual team total. Um, And and there you go. You've got Michael Pittman, what fifth or sixth on the list there at $6,100 at Buffalo. So I think he's in a good spot and I think that's a good, a good game to stack. It's, I like that game to stack. The issue is I actually think that the Colts are being undervalued by the spread here. And I don't think that I'm alone on that. Maybe we're just going to 
I'm going to feel really stupid when the Bills win by like 31 points. But the Bills are another team that are tough to stack with. Only because we saw it last week. It was finally Allen to Diggs. But that's what the first like bonanza game between them last year. And Josh Allen, yeah. he, he kind of got undercut by Matt Breda and the rushing touchdowns. It was like, oh, man, like, <laughs> if you had stacked the Bills last week, like you probably didn't win. Yeah, it was the only the only place that I won with the Bills was the early only slate with Allen and Diggs. And then every time a Brita or a Moss touchdown goes in, I'm like, sweet, you, that was another thousand dollars I didn't win. Oh, I just lost more. It was brutal. So don't get me started on the tilt with the Bills from last week. I mean, that was insane. But yeah, I I do agree. Like um, maybe maybe betting the over here could be sharp. I mean, the Bills are just absolutely smashing their team total. Uh, week in and week out, you know, other than that, that Jacksonville game, which was just outlier situations. We, we can't be super picky about our samples here. We got to look at the big picture, but I think from a projected ownership standpoint, like I don't have Pittman for some insane ownership. And so that's just where like, all right, I'm good. I'm, I'm totally fine playing this. It, it checks boxes from uh, pace of play standpoint it checks boxes from a good over under even though their team total is a little bit low he checks boxes as an individual player and then all of a sudden you have okay a wide receiver who gets a lot of usage but isn't projected to be high so you take a look at their projected ceiling versus their projected ownership and there's a really great uh, metric that you can use like a leverage score metric or something along those lines and you're like this adds set this this adds up it makes sense and then don't think about it you, people overthink it all the time. And it's just like all these boxers are being checked except for maybe one or two. That's not a big deal. And just play and then, and then go, you know, click the, the green plus button on your DK app and, and move on to the next position. Do you think that Kyler Murray is going to go here against the Seahawks? Because I played a Seahawks yeah. stack. I played a Seahawks stack and this, this was horrible, but I just, I just overwhelmed that game. And when there's a total of 17 points, you're, you're not going to win a lot of money when you end up doing that. But I do think that there's value in the Seahawks side of the ball this week because everyone is now off of Russell Wilson. We still know where the ball is going. It's more of a bet is he a little bit healthier this time around because the Arizona defense is not great. And if Kyler can actually be back and press the pace, all of a sudden it feels like there could be way more than the 48 and a half points in this game. Then, you know, with the spread of two, both these teams are expected to score some points. If I think it's going to hit the over, I would want not necessarily like the lower end side of this game, but at least the more predictable one. You know, it's Russell, you know, it's Lockett, you know, it's DK, and hopefully, I mean, you can run it back with whoever you want. Probably James Conner, I would guess, yeah. in that spot. If Or if Hopkins is out, you could do it with Christian Kirk as well. But I feel like this game is just not going to have a ton of ownership outside of Conner. Yeah, I don't, I don't currently have um, this game from like a cumulative ownership standpoint stack projected very high at all, but they, they do have good ceilings. I do think Kyler is back. He's, he's, he pr he's practicing on Wednesday or he practiced on Wednesday. So we'll have to see reports Thursday, Friday, Saturday, coming into Sunday. But I, I, it, he's, I think he's trending upwards because um, now he's had those two plus weeks of rest, I think is what it's been. So I think there's a good trend there for Kyler playing. And I mean, you don't, you don't have to onslaught with Kyler because he, he does have that rushing ability with his legs. You can play him with, with James Conner if you want to. I'm much less likely to stack my rushing quarterbacks with my running backs. You're giving up so much touchdown equity around the goal line for a rushing quarterback. I mean, if that goes to the running back, great, but it's ultimately capping and limiting your upside unless they just drop like 30, you know, three plus points and, and all those touchdowns are being consumed, but in large field, I don't, I don't think it's super sharp. Um, and yeah, if there's, if there's no Hopkins, like, 
a Christian Kirk, a Christian Kirk, a more, all of that stuff makes sense. And, and kind of a pretty straightforward uh, run back with Seattle there. You kind of just hit on it in terms of stacking. You don't want to put your rushing quarterback with your, your running back who you need. To, I mean, ideally, if you're playing for the most upside, you need one of those guys to score all the rushing touchdowns. This is kind of the problem now. When, like, if we talk about running backs, you have Christian McCaffrey, and he's back up in price at 8900 bucks, and we know that he doesn't need to score to get to 30 DraftKings points. But if Cam is playing quarterback, that really does mm-hmm. hurt his touchdown equity. It has to. Yeah, no, it definitely docks from a total market share of touchdown equity. Like when I go through and I do my player inputs of what they get from a market share of receiving, their market share of touchdown equity. Cam, uh, sorry, not Cam. Um, CMC is getting a little bit of a dock there. Uh, if you go back and you look at some of the trends with Cam Newton, uh, it's dude. I mean, that guy loves his one yard Superman's. Like they're no joke. That's there's you know. So I think you have to dock it a little bit, but at the end of the day, you, you kind of hinted at it. Christian McCaffrey is still Christian McCaffrey against a Washington defense that is allowing plus 3.3 points to opponents running back. So it's a very, very good matchup. And um, that metric is simply just stating that this team is allowing uh, more than salary-based expectations from a fantasy point perspective of plus 3.3, which is a really good number for a running back. We see this every single year in the NFL. I remember Atlanta did it two years ago. I think it was the Saints last year who did it, is that we have these teams that come into the year and we think that their defense is going to be really good. And Washington would kind of qualify as that team this year. But their defense isn't good at the beginning of the year. And then somewhere around midseason, they go on by. All of a sudden, they come out and the unit is good again. And it takes people a few weeks to adjust. Kind of worried that Washington may have figured something out. It's it's been one game. But they looked really good against Brady. And I know they lost Chase Young. But it's not like they weren't getting pressure. It's just they couldn't stop anyone through the air. And like the first five weeks of the season, they were giving what? an average of 37 points per game or something like that. And basically yeah. since they played Kansas city, they've been pretty all right on the defensive side of the ball. So th- that kind of skews it a little bit for me. Like you, I almost like to look at the season in quarters a little bit and just to see, cause I mean, no sample that you use in the NFL, regardless of how big it is in the course of one year, it's still going to be a pretty insignificant sample. Even if we're looking at week 17 to week one, like what is week one really telling us about week 17? We have 13 new guys of the 22 starting on a team. So maybe Washington has figured something out. I'm worried about this game that it's like 16 to 13 or something. Cause I worry about Cam's ability to score points. If he's the starter. Yeah, I think I think all of those are valid points. I think Vegas agrees here. Uh, you have a forty-six and a half point implied team total. Both of these, both of these, uh, or excuse me, a forty-six and a half point over under with two pretty low implied team totals. About a, um, I think Washington saw like a major dip in their implied team total um, with some line movement there. So, I I definitely think you're onto something. I think a little bit larger of a sample size is probably worth it, but like there is absolutely something to be said about being early before the market recognizes a trend. So if, if you think that like I'm, I'm almost prone to like, I'm a little more apt to say they had all this time to prep for Brady. I mean, when you give these organizations that extra week to really figure something out, they tend to be a little bit sharper, but also like Brady had that too. They had extra time. So it was like, it was a, it was a very interesting game. Um, But 
if we're just talking about CMC, I'm, I'm genuinely not worried about it. Like if CMC is a play for you this week, because of whatever reason you want, nobody's ever going to talk anyone off of not, or to play Christian McCaffrey, like just plug the guy in. Uh, when he came back in limited usage where he, he saw like 70% of the snaps or 65% of the snaps, he still had like 17 or 18 total opportunities. And then we're getting this guy back at that 95 plus percent snap rate. There's just like bell cow workload. Like, I don't care, man. Give me the seven catches, 10 targets, um, a little bit of doc on goal line usage, but still really high value touches in the 10 and 20 yard line. So like, who cares, man? Play CMC, fire them up. Uh, I, I'm actually like, are are my best ball teams getting a resurgence that have Robbie Anderson because Cam Newton's back on this team? Like that's that's what I'm more excited about is to see some Robbie Anderson targets um, from from Cam Newton here. I was so disappointed. I had bet the Robbie Anderson under yardage prop for six consecutive weeks. Winner all. Every single time. And then I, I tuned in last week and it, it loses within like 10 minutes. I was like, what is going yeah. on here? Uh, I don't know if I'd buy completely back into that as of yet. There are three more. I mean, we mentioned Cincinnati and Las Vegas, and that's one that I really wanted to end with. So I'll, I'll save that one for a second. Tennessee's team total very high. Cleveland's team total very high. Mm-hmm. And those ones are going to be under-owned simply because when people look at, the, as you mentioned before, the actual game totals of those games are super low, but they're favored by so many points. Their team totals are actually incredibly high. So when you see someone like Detroit with the Bears, I mean, Nick Chubb is expected to be back. Kareem Hunt has already been officially mm-hmm. ruled out. I mean, it's probably a nice spot to go back to Chubb if you think that he's going to be okay coming off of COVID. And then with Tennessee, McNichols is dealing, he's in concussion protocol. He's probably not going to play. But it's Houston. Like You can do whatever you want to Houston, essentially. Like, do we want to go Tannehill and A.J. Brown? Because we know that's going to be like a 45% target share. I don't want Foreman. Yeah. I don't want Peterson. But that seems like two guys that no one are probably going to use in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I think what's super interesting is these two teams that you talk about with with two of the highest implied team totals on on the slate are playing teams with the two lowest implied team totals on this slate. So I think to touch on Cleveland first with Chubb, Detroit is probably the best matchup for a, a running back hands down period. I don't think it gets any better um, than than a running back facing Detroit. You have 11 and a half point home favorites uh, against one of the worst rush defenses and a running back who is probably one of the best running backs. I know he doesn't always get there from a fantasy standpoint, but if we talk about talent and elusive rating and his rushing and, it, you know, a semi good matchup here, I mean, a great matchup here, like Chubb is always difficult because of his passing game involvement. And I do, I do think it's very clear that, that Dearness Johnson may soak up a little bit of that, but like, I, I think Chubb Chubb is in a very, very good spot. Um, I don't know where you have him projected from like a pure um, raw point projection, but like if I if I take a look at some of the the projections that I have brought up here uh, from fantasy labs, like Chubb is a a projects pretty dang well for a guy who does not catch a ton of passes. I mean, I'm talking top five median projection because this matchup is just a cakewalk for running backs uh my projection right now has chubb within a half point of delvin cook and jonathan taylor weirdly behind aj dillon behind james connor right now and then it's going to be nick chubb and his ceiling is i mean it's mccaffrey six point drop 
and then like the next yeah. five guys as it pertains to ceiling. But he is up there, and he just feels like the one that's going to be wildly underowned in this. The one that I was actually kind of surprised that was way behind was Joe Mixon, who continues to do a ton on the Bengals. Just be they're mm-hmm. sort of out of sight, out of mind. You expect that to be more of a passing game, but you can run all over the Raiders. Generally, it's a bit more difficult to pass on them. But I think Cincinnati and Las Vegas is the solution to hey, I can't afford to mega stack Kansas City and Dallas. You can afford to mega stack Cincinnati and Vegas. Yeah, you you absolutely can. Um, and I think both of these teams having good and healthy implied team totals is something that I hit on. And that's probably a game that might go slightly overlooked due to the total and the games above it. But with two very healthy implied team totals, I think you could see a decent discount on your ownership uh, from a cumulative standpoint, from a one-off standpoint. I mean, there will be guys who, you know, carry good ownership just because they have good names. Um, you know, especially a guy like, like Jamar chase, uh, who seems to be inserting himself as an alpha, but T Higgins is still a phenomenal wide receiver here. And uh, I'm, I'm okay passing the ball against, against the Raiders. Uh, I think it's totally fine. And I think anyone from the Vegas side, is fine if you want to go the other way. If you think that there's a little bit more upside there, I'm not sure that there's as much ceiling, but you might see a discount in in, in total cumulative ownership uh, by keeping your main stack with with Vegas. I I think it might be uh, a game that that definitely flies under the radar. And and you get to dodge any sort of like stupid weather concerns in that game too, because. Yeah. Not that I, I really, I, sometimes I think it's actually beneficial to see bad weather. Like, I was actually licking my chops, and turned out I was wrong. For the Seattle-Green Bay game, when I was watching Countdown before all the games were starting, they're like, let's go to Green Bay where there's like two inches of snow on the field. I was like, oh, good. No one is going to use anyone from this game now. And I'm like, yeah, these, right. guys, these, these guys aren't made of sugar. They're not going to melt or freeze to death on the field. They should be fine. It just turns out Russell Wilson sucked and Alan Lazard can't catch, so that became a problem for scoring points in that game. But this is the one that like, I'm just, I just keep coming back to it, circling around. It's in the later set of games. It's not like a super sexy or fun way to do it. And you kind of mentioned Higgins and Chase. I'd probably play both of them together. Maybe I would want to get a salary break and use Uzama with one of those guys instead. But Chase is the one actually producing the fantasy numbers. Yet every single week I go on Twitter and I see someone making the case for T Higgins, like breakout last half of the season T Higgins he's doing this he's doing this he's doing that his expected points are through the roof his air yards are through the roof and it's all going to come together in one game so I kind of want to be there now for that one like three touchdown 200 yard game from T Higgins and then I'm good with jumping off ship yeah you, you sound like me with Robbie Anderson through the first you know weeks like uh weeks three through through seven or something like that where I just kept riding that train Look, I, I think you bring up a great point about the weather and the Green Bay and Seattle thing, but I think what's important to call out here too is much like that Green Bay and Seattle team, it's it's almost the exact same. The one thing that I am slightly concerned about, and I'm definitely pulling a, as our uh, friend of the show, Adam Levitan, likes to call it, a I think I know better. Now, the total is good. The implied team totals are good. But when I start looking at the outliers and some of the, the context around this game, uh, Cincinnati is running at a very slow pace from a uh, total season standpoint. Now, I think it's important to look at smaller trends too. So I would encourage people to look at two and four week trends rather than just the full all encompassing last 10 weeks. Cincinnati's very, very slow from a 10 week perspective. Vegas is a little bit better. They're a little bit more um, league average. I think they're like 
14th or 13th in like situation neutral pace. Uh, and if you look at like when they're, when they're, um, their first half is like super quick, their second half is a little bit slower. And that is a direct uh, correlation with that Seattle Green Bay game. Green Bay is very slow. Seattle's a little bit quicker, but more around league average. So like, I think I know better than what these Vegas totals are saying. And this game looks a little scary to me from a pace perspective. And this literally isn't like, you know, tuning my own horn or anything, but like I was kind of off of that Seattle game just because of those pace numbers where I just limited my exposure. Maybe it bites me in the ass here and Vegas is actually uh, right. You know, the, the way they were a little wrong last week, but I'm slightly concerned about the pace. I would t- maybe temper expectations and just dig into it more from a, a pure data standpoint. Well, uh, you have to understand that I went with Green Bay and the Aaron Rodgers side last week because I played the uh, <laughs> big bush. I, I played the uh, not so much the data side, but the Aaron Rodgers is going to come out and throw six touchdowns just to say fuck you to everyone. That didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it definitely did not happen. And um, you know, like I think I think Waller, you know, is is in a good spot. Like I'm trying to think about like ceiling only plays when you're talking about playing in a field of 300,000 plus people in some of these tournaments, tournaments on DraftKings.com. Now, maybe more in like a Pat Mayo league, which is a 3,000 person rake free, might I add. So if you're not in it, get in it. Um, I, I'm okay playing ownership or having guys who have a little bit higher of an ownership, but I don't think we have to like go to these 5%, 3%, find these insane leverage plays. So just make sure that you're looking at ownership from these games that are very specific to the contest that you're entering to. Um, everyone wants the picks. Everyone wants the plays. Nobody wants to talk about how to gain that half point percent edge in some of these places and finding rake free stuff and doing ownership for your specific contest and your contest selection, uh, I think is, is some of the most important stuff that you can do. Football season's heating up and we've got the perfect podcast to deliver the scoop on all things NFL from Amazon Music the Tom and Hawk football show happens twice a week and is hosted by NFL veterans Joe Thomas and Andrew Hawkins. It's your one-stop shop for NFL stories, serious laughs, and a touch of bromance between Joe and Hawk. Between the two of them, Tom and Hawk have 10 Pro Bowl selections, all Joes, and two college degrees, both Andrews. But together, they're a dynamite team that'll give you an insider's look at what it's like to be in the NFL and what's going down in the league right now. Pro football is basically a soap opera with too many storylines to keep up with. Thankfully, Tom and Hawk will keep you up to speed each week on what's happening in America's favorite sport. So put on your team's favorite jersey and get ready for some smash mouth football because it's Tom and Hawk time. And if people don't remember, Tom and Hawk were on the Pat Mayo Experience live from Radio Row when the Super Bowl was in Minnesota. Couldn't be better dudes and actually hilarious. So listen to the Tom and Hawk football show every Monday and Wednesday on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, you talked about like early slate and like even the late slate where you're just, you're just playing the one o'clock games. Do you find that there is a specific advantage to playing those or are you just trying to get more action? Uh, no, it's not more action. I don't, you know, I'm not getting six figures down on a Sunday where I have to play four different slates, have to play tiers, have to play showdown for all the, all the games. So it's not getting more action. It, it is niche, um, f- focusing specifically on one contest variation, uh, whether that's small field or large field, I think is important to do and not spread yourself too thin. And then even dialing that down more into something niche 
like playing early only or late only uh, for me as a player allows me to focus on a smaller subset of games so I can process more. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not this insane 500 uh, IQ person here. I'm, I'm probably like 60 IQ if, if we're being totally honest. Uh, so I think, I think focusing on something smaller allows me to focus on specific contest selection, specific ownership, and people are making more mistakes. I think in some of those, uh, when you're splitting the slates up, they're not stacking nearly as much as they should. They get, they get scared to onslaught, uh, not enough people onslaught in the main slate, let alone in a slate where the player pool gets smaller yet. You don't want to have a condensed stacks. Like it, it just doesn't make sense. You should be stacking in some of that stuff. So I think that there's a big edge there and um, ownership projections that are produced by all of these outlets and all of these content providers focus on large field main slate. They don't focus on small field early only or late only. So if you do a little bit of math and Excel and you put in the extra time and work, I think you can create an edge there. Um, so yeah, niche sports, whether it's like hockey, Counter-Strike, League of Legends, it, it doesn't matter. I think focusing on niche things are very, very important. I think there's massive edges there. One game we didn't talk about whatsoever when I was looking at the pace numbers, both these teams rate out really well in both pace and passing above expectation. The Dolphins and Jets. <laughs> yeah, man. And the Jets are a juicy matchup for opposing teams, wide receivers and quarterbacks and running backs. You can do whatever you want to on the Jets, right? So I think the Finns are actually kind of kind of like maybe a little bit sneaky. I'll have to I'll have to take a look and do a little bit more ownership projections. But you've got a 24 point, 24 and a half point implied team total with a little bit of movement. I think it moved like half a point or a point since it opened there. The Jets are typically guys that I don't want to touch. I think the Dolphins defense uh, on the perimeter and is probably just a little bit better than most people want to give it credit for, but you, you've got talented receivers there. I would be more opposed to just like playing one-offs from the dolphin side of the ball than I would be to just like full game stack. This is like your four person or, you know, three person main stack. Um, but I, I do think the fins are a really good call back. I don't know how Flacco starting in this game is going to affect the actual pace. I mean, it could be good. It could be bad. Who knows? We, we, have, we know nothing about what Joe Flacco is like outside of his garbage time numbers last week when he was throwing to Elijah Moore, which is fine. Yeah. But I feel like if you're, from the Dolphin side of the ball, if you're going to one-off it, it's probably Gaskin. But other than that, like I think the three-man stack actually makes a lot of sense because you know where the ball is going through the air. There's no Will Fuller. There's no Devontae Parker. So it's going to be Tua, Gasicki, and Waddle. That's it. Those are the three guys. Yeah, uh, and I think... Um, oh my gosh, uh, Dallas Goddard is dealing with a concussion. So just from like a limited player pool at tight end, taking away some of these guys who consume large market share of targets. Uh, I think just getting to a, a guy like Jasicki, who's extremely talented, um, I think is, is probably pretty sharp and, and maybe a little bit optimal depending on what punts open up from a, from a tight end perspective. Cause I do think that like you kind of play the bell curve at tight end, you just punt it off or you pay for the most expensive one. I very rarely find myself paying that median price unless it's part of a stack um, just to get exposure, more exposure to that game. So I think we'll see what, what opens up here come, come Friday and Saturday at the tight end position. And then on the bring back, the Jets are weird because they rotate six receivers in and out and Mims might be back this week too. So it could be seven for no apparent reason, but against the Dolphins, you want to attack the middle of the field with their corners being so good. That would lead me to Jamison Crowder, I suppose, if you really wanted to go crazy. We probably don't need to. 
I guess is the point. Like, I just think that it's almost like the old Denver stacks or the old Oakland stacks where, hey, I know that these two receivers are going to generate like 65% of the market share. If I hit on this game, they're all going to produce. And that's how the Miami side feels right now. Yeah, I would, I would prefer to probably just play Waddle against the Jets and, and maybe just kind of avoid some of those Jet receivers. I think there's something to be said about that Flacco, Elijah Moore, just like a lot of connections and targets there near the end. So where like you do want to, if you're grasping at something or trying to find something, like there is something to be said about that early rapport and the established connection between those two. But like for me, I think specifically in this game, unless it's like large field, millionaire maker, because the other thing too, like, Waddle's going to be 15 to 20% owned when it, when things shake out on, on Sunday. And like, that's not bad, but you're not, you're not getting a discount for maybe a game environment. That isn't the best game environment that that's my own. That's all I'm trying to say is like some of the players on, on, in this game. Uh, but I, I really do like Waddle. I think from an optimal standpoint, um, he's far too cheap for market share of targets and a great matchup and a good implied team total. Let's go to one-off running backs. We already mentioned A.J. Dillon. He's essentially going to be the most popular guy. We've talked about Christian McCaffrey already. He's very expensive, though, is kind of the thing. He's 8900 bucks. If you're looking at this entire board of 7K-plus receivers right now, we did speak about Chubb, and Chubb's weird because his optimal is always going to be high because his ceiling is weirdly high because you have to have a big run from him if he's going to get there, which he produces mm-hmm. enough. It's all like Derrick Henry in that way. It's just he never has that same amount of one-yard touchdowns. Is there anyone else you would go to up here? Like, would you play Jonathan Taylor at 8,300 at the Bills in a bad game situation per the spread? But if Indy is going to win this game, it's going to be through Jonathan Taylor, you'd think. Yeah, I just, I think, I think Buffalo's just, tough in general like they're just not giving up a ton of fantasy points to teams so like i i would prefer to not pay the 8300 to keep it real simple i do think if you're looking to leverage the field from a ceiling and ownership standpoint taylor does check that box and from a volume standpoint he he checks it yeah so where would we go for just one-off plays like we, we we mentioned dylan Connor at 61, I think, does a lot of good for you, especially if they don't fall behind like 17 nothing after two minutes this week that you probably see more of James Conner. And he still he didn't quite get there last week, but he didn't leave you holding the bag at the same time either. He still found the end zone. He still got the majority of the work. That's what you're looking for. The one that I thought could open up pretty well is if Elijah Mitchell doesn't play with this broken finger against Jacksonville, we might have we might not have Jamichael Hasty back either. That Jeff Wilson is just sitting there at 5,100 bucks. Right. I th- I think the the Jeff Wilson against Jaguars like playing San Francisco running backs is kind of kind of tough. I I'm actually going to throw one out there on a on a Thursday with Daryl Williams. I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire coming off the MCL has a has a decent shot at playing, but if he doesn't this is a game, high implied team total. It's kind of difficult to throw the ball on Dallas. Um, they're not like a, a funnel by any means, but if Daryl Williams is a lone backfield running back there, that's the type of one-off that I want to play where I'm at $5,400 on DraftKings, good implied team total, good ceiling. Uh, that's the type of guy that I'm okay eating some ownership on because if there is no CEH, he's probably like 20% owned at that price, probably maybe even 25% owned. If we go to 55, I like David Montgomery in this spot. I still think that the Ravens get a lot of credit for being a good defense based on 
just their history of being the Ravens, but they are not a good defense whatsoever. And Montgomery, in his first game back, ahead of schedule, first game off IR, completely took back the backfield from Khalil Herbert. You know, you have to, again, it's tough because Justin Fields is rushing more. His touchdown equity is going to be a little bit higher, which takes it away. But if he's going to continue to be involved, it just doesn't feel like anyone's going to use David Montgomery. And if we're talking about bell cows, he is a bell cow back. He's going to get 20 plus touches in this game, whether it be on the ground, whether it be through the air, he's going to combine for that much. And if you, I mean, we didn't even talk about the Ravens. I was saving those for the one-off quarterbacks, I suppose, but Montgomery just feels overlooked in this range. Yeah. Montgomery definitely does feel overlooked. I, I also think we talked about this game, the Miami game, miles Gaskin. I mean, I think he has, I, I, yeah, but the jets bro. And he has literally had no less than like 14 or 15 total opportunities over the last five weeks. I think there's been 20, uh, two games of 20 total opportunities over those last five weeks. And the jets are just absolutely egregious against the run. So like, uh, I think there might be some ownership there. I think once again, this is probably like a 15% owned guy. So like just depending on how, what you need to do with your lineup from being unique. Um, and that's where like, if you really are trying to find a guy who has maybe slightly less projected ownership, uh, Montgomery might be better, but I also think Montgomery is probably going to be somewhere around that. Like there are so many good running back options this week that I think, I think you have like AJ Dillon. And then I think you probably have a bunch of guys who just are going to be pretty flat between the 15 to 20%. So like, don't get caught up on the ownership of like trying to find this like insane, uh, undervalued low owned running back. Like just play the guy that checks the most boxes and, and, and move on and don't think a whole lot about it. I, I don't know. That's just, that's how I've done it for years. I'm not saying that that's right, but it seems to be working. So. There's no, I, Wilson was the cheapest one I could find that I would feel good about playing, but you would have to have the right circumstances for that to actually come through. Is there anyone in the four Ks? You're like, Oh yeah, that guy let's lock him in. Like last week. Uh, I'm sorry, Jeff Wilson. We, I thought you might've moved on to, uh, to Russ Wilson for me. No. And I don't think, I don't think there's a lot of four K guys and I'm overly interested. And I think we're saving enough with a, with a, you know, a miles Gaskin and an AJ Dillon to where you can just get up to that third running back in your flex. If you're playing smaller field and need higher floors, or you maybe just play, you know, Dylan and CMC or Dylan and Cook or whoever your other favorite high-end running back is. Because it does seem to be there's a little bit of value at wide receiver and tight end this week where I think early on in the week we can maybe, you know, get to one of those high, high expensive or high-priced running backs. Today's program is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition really, really simple. I know it's made my healthy mornings much better because the kids are getting really old now so they're super active in the morning so i have to wrangle them i got to get them up i got to get them something to eat i got to show prep for my show while i'm doing all of that then i got to get them to school then get to work Sometimes I just don't have time to make myself the proper breakfast that I need. That's why AG1 by Athletic Greens, the category-leading superfood product, has really helped me out. It brings comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition to everybody. Keeping up with the research, knowing what to do, and taking a bunch of pills and capsules is hard on your stomach, and it's hard to keep up with. To help each of us be at our best, like myself, they simplify the path to better nutrition by giving you one thing with all the best things and it's pretty tasty i'm not gonna lie to you and i feel great all day it gives me that burst i need in the morning that healthy feeling where i have energy and it all comes in one 
tasty scoop. AG1 contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green food blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. The special blend of high quality bioavailable ingredients in a scoop of AG1 work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, support energy and focus. That's really been the key for me. Aid with gut health and digestion and support a healthy immune system, effectively replacing multiple products or pills with one healthy, delicious drink. I even got my wife on it now and she enjoys it and she doesn't really enjoy anything of this nature. She's all in on AG1. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar. I'm not on any of those diets, and I'm taking it anyway, and it's making me feel great. There's no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything. Well, keeping it tasting, good. Join the movement of athletes, lifeletes, moms, dads, rookies, first-timers, and everyone in between taking ownership of their daily health and focusing on nutritional products that they really need in the simplest manner possible. That's essentialist nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com slash mayo today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash mayo to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. Do you have any idea how many subscriptions you're unknowingly paying for every month? You probably don't want to know that answer, so why not just skip to the part where you use Truebill and identify where you can stop spending and start saving. Truebill's the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. We all know this. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and has saved them over $100 million. Like Matthew B., who says, in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my DirecTV bill, saved $120 for the year on my Sirius XM bill, and I saved $840 a year on car insurance. So, don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash Mayo. Go right now. Truebill.com slash Mayo it could save you thousands a year. Well, if you want to find value at wide receiver, I mean, we've kind of talked, we've talked about them a bunch of times right now. Jalen Waddle's $5,600. Yeah. That does seem like it's going to be one of the most popular one-offs of the week. But there's other guys in that same price range that if you just want, I so rarely go like flat at wide receiver. It's usually like a really expensive guy, someone in the fives, then like some jabroni to help me save some money. But like Hunter Tyler Ren- Johnson. Yeah. Like Hunter Renfro's 5,800 bucks. Brendan cooks is 6,000 bucks. Like I think those are objectively one-off good plays this week. Yeah. I think uh, like, I know we talked about the Cincinnati Vegas as a stack, but if you're not stacking that Tegan's $5,400, that's an insane one-off wide receiver. Uh, he will probably be the highest owned wide receiver on the slate at that price with his implied team total with his talent and, and skill set and the market share of targets that he's getting on that team. So like, don't expect to get him low owned, but as a one-off play, uh, I'm totally good with T Higgins and I'm definitely 
good with Renfro on that side. Then that's like, you know, talk about mini correlation, just play Renfro and T Higgins and then stack something else. Right. So you get a little mini correlation. That actually works out pretty well. One stack we didn't talk about, because I talked about Jeff Wilson or Elijah Moore, but if we have all this cluster in the backfield, like two of the past three weeks, Jimmy G has been the highest scoring quarterback. So yeah. Jimmy G, Kittle, Debo? Debo, yeah. Dude, Debo is no joke, man. I mean, this might as well be Cooper Cup 2.0 when Cooper Cup's not on the main slate. Uh, you know, you're playing Debo. It's just, it's absolutely insane uh, what Debo's doing from an efficiency standpoint, from a market share of target standpoint. Uh, Debo looks to be, and and I don't, you know what, man, let me, let me pull up his projected ownership here. Um, 10, 10.2% for me. That's actually insane. That's a good, that's, like, a, good, that's a good number. That's a very a guy, good. For a guy that can score 45 number. points. Yeah. That's a great number against Jacksonville. Uh, that's, hey, Pat, I think you just put me on a Debo for the first time in 10 weeks. I might be playing Debo Samuel. <laughs> oh, really? I play Debo every week. He's great. I know. And I look, man, I always preach, like, pay the best, play the best plays, but somehow I don't ever get up to these, you know, expensive wide receivers who I think might be a little bit thin, like, I just prefer to get up to like Adams or, you know, for a while it was like Calvin Ridley or Justin Jefferson. It was never like a Debo or a cup. And that's, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm now broke, but you know, (laughs) maybe, maybe we'll fix that week 11. Are there any pay down options that you see that you would feel comfortable with here? Cause we found really none at running back. Maybe there are some at wide receiver. The one that I would look at the most is if Waddle is going to be that highly owned Albert Wilson played the most snaps of any secondary receiver on the Dolphins last week. And again, we're without Fuller. We're, we're without Parker. He's $3,100. He's an absolute speedster. It's a much better matchup than it was against the Ravens. That may, If you had to, I think that at $3,100, yeah. you could get away with it and see some upside. It could also be a zero. But I think he would be the cheapest guy that I found to be like, huh, that's intriguing. At least I can point to something with him to be like, okay, I can see where upside comes in. But sure. it, it feels like these guys just never hit. Yeah, well, they're they're tough, right? I think when you – there's a pretty big correlation between salary and and fantasy points uh, in, in the long run, too, if you extrapolate all of that data. and you Or, excuse me, if you break down all of that data and you look at the historical, there's actually a decent – decent correlation between fantasy points scored and salary. So DraftKings knows what they're doing with the algorithm there and the pricing, but there's, there's two guys. One is, is he's $4,200. So he's not quite pay down, but he's not, you know, in the 5k and that's, that's Michael Gallup against Kansas city. I think there's not a whole lot that needs to be said there. Just a, a really good spot. A guy who had some high value targets last week. And quite frankly, has a totally different outlook this week from a projected ownership standpoint. If he won, the, t- the, the ball that he caught at the two-yard line goes for a touchdown rather than being tackled at the two. Two, the dropped ball that he had over the middle, that probably would have been a four-and-a-half to five-point fantasy play for sure with the catch in the yards uh, that, that would have came from it. And uh, I think those are probably the two biggest ones that I think totally change his day, and he has like a 20-point day. Uh, which, which is just drastically different. So $4,200, great matchup, good play team total. I, we've, we've already hit on that. You know all the reasons why. And then two, um, the Dallas Goddard concussion stuff, I think opens up a Quez Watkins possibility. This is like dumpster diving barrel. He's sub 4K, but he's seen like six, four, five targets his last three weeks. He's playing like 70% of the team's snaps. Um, so I think, 
with no Goddard, we could maybe see just a slight bump in market share. And I mean, we are talking about, you know, kind of going off the wall. I think Gallup isn't nearly as off the wall as Quez Watkins is, but if you're looking for a guy who probably has an ownership of like 5%, I think that's a guy who's in a fine spot, tough matchup and probably team totals fine, all those things. So like, I think it's okay. I think I would go kind of a little bit up, a little bit down. I mean, Gallup, I completely get on board with. He's sort of my favorite type of guy to play. I know everyone loves playing Mecole Hardman every single week, but Gallup is like the good version of that where it just hits more often because when, when he scores, like he has those weird games where it's like, oh, it's a Gallup game. He's going to score two touchdowns. Um, and that's just the way that it's going to be. Uh, the one that I look at is Traquan at 4,400 bucks. And then below that at 3,500, Marcus Johnson is just running a ton of routes with no Julio. Yes. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up Marcus Johnson because at $3,500 against Houston, um, I think his, his projected ownership will be right around 10 to 12% for sure. But $3,500, a lot of routes. Julio's obviously not going to play and a, uh, a good implied team total there uh, with Tennessee against a, a Houston defense that, that quite frankly is, is pretty um, uh, average against opposing teams wide receivers. So it's not a matchup that you want to avoid by any means. Let's move to tight ends because you mentioned that Goddard is not playing. So it's a really tough week if you're not going to pay up for Kelsey because it's tight end. And if it's not Travis Kelsey, what do you do? Do you have any specific leans? Because it feels like people will now go to Kittle against Jacksonville as a one-off. Not as expensive as Kelsey. He's been great since he's come back. And people just saw him on Monday night go absolutely bonkers. Gasicki at 52. Good price. I mentioned Dalton Schultz, although his target share went way down last week when when Michael Gallup came back. But he's only $4,600. You could say Dan Arnold at 41, who continues to see all this share. But like, I, I have no real good takes at tight end right now. Yeah, look, I think that there's a couple of very important things with, with tight ends. Um, matchup, I absolutely think that this is more important than like a wide receiver matchup or uh, even like a running back matchup. I think matchups for tight ends are very important. And I think implied team totals are very important for tight ends. And we've talked about this game. There's a guy who rates pretty highly in my model. He checks a lot of boxes um, from the implied team total standpoint, from the matchup standpoint, and from a, a target standpoint, five, four, three targets the last three games, but nine targets over his last two. And he's $3,500 and he goes by the name of CJ Uzuma. So when he scores, it's really fun to say his name and, you know, give the whole Uzuma, right? Something, something like that. And so opponent plus minus of plus 6.1. That is the best matchup that I have for a tight end on this, on this slate. It does not get any better than that. So I think that's a great guy. And quite frankly, um, unless he catches the Pat Mayo steam, when this hits all of your, your media outlets, like I think he's 5% too. I don't think you're getting, you know, 15, 20% on this guy. And I think he's in a good spot. Easy way to get access to that game as well. If that's the way that you wanted to go. And it, even to use like Renfro on the other side, have that mini correlation. If you don't do it with T Higgins, now that's saving you a ton of money. Looking at it right now, Philadelphia has given up the most top 12 games to opposing tight ends with nine, Kansas City with eight, and then it's Green Bay, the Chargers, the Rams, and Vegas. So you only have Conklin or you go with Uzuma, the secret of the Uzuma on this one, and you're probably good to go. <laughs> yeah, the the other one that you bring up and somebody who's seeing a lot of targets is Adam Troutman, six, seven, six, and three over his last uh, four games there. And 
you know, decent, decent implied team total. I think like 21 points. Uh, typically I would like to see 23 and a half or higher. So I take that back. Team total is a little low, so he doesn't check that box for me, but from a market share of targets and a matchup standpoint, the second best matchup that I have in my model, um, is, is against Philly. So Troutman 3,300, uh, and probably less than Uzuma. I dude, I get it. Uh, but like good matchup targets are there. Uh, I would like to see like maybe a little bit more of red zone work, uh, and like the quarterback play, like, uh, who knows what's going to happen. So like, uh, it's just, all I'm saying is the matchup and the targets are there. And if we're looking to punt, sometimes you would with tight ends, you just have to do what you do with defense, find, you know, two or three that you like click and move on. And like, don't, don't over, don't overthink it. Cause there's a lot of volatility at both of those positions. Do you think you could get to playing Cam Newton as a standalone quarterback this week? Because when I'm looking at the optimals, he is popping crazy. But so is Lamar. And I'm trying to figure out a way to play Lamar and what the best way to do that is. And I don't know if it's a triple stack. I don't know if it's by himself. Like, I just, that game just feels like such a slog to me that I don't know what to do with him. Yeah. So for, for me, Cam Newton, this is something that I've been, I've been looking at a lot. And it's where do I pay down? and and not give up the the most ceiling so in in other words how can i get the cheapest quarterback but still have access to a very large ceiling or or what position can i pay down at and still access a very large ceiling and that is at quarterback and wide receiver so if we pay down at quarterback we're not giving up nearly as much ceiling as if we if we pay down at uh at wide receiver at running back so quarterback is a is a spot that i am been trying to force myself or encourage myself on Sunday mornings to pay down at $5,100 Cam Newton against Washington opinions on Washington defense are are probably going to vary, but I like, he's just too cheap rushing ability. He's got good targets. CMC is there. matchup seems okay based off historical plus, you know, maybe a little bit tougher based off some of the recent data that we have, but like I, like to pay down at quarterback in at least two of my four lineups or one of my three lineups uh, or two of my three, you know, throughout some of those three entry or five entry max type stuff, like, like the juke or the $33 um, five entry max. or there's some other really good five maxes out there as well. The other two pay down options I would say would be fields or Tua at 55. And even if you don't stack up to, I mean, there's very logical stacks for Tua, but even if you played him by himself and then like Durham Smythe ends up with a touchdown or Mac Hollins that I actually think that Tua rushes for a touchdown in this game just because it's the stupid Jets and he'll call his own number that he feels like access to pick on the Jets. And then you just have to fade Miles Gaskin, which works out most of the time. Yeah. From a pure ceiling standpoint with these 5k guys, Tua actually has the highest ceiling projection for me where I have cam uh, actually a little bit higher of a median projection, uh, but I do have Tua a, a little bit higher from a ceiling projection because of that matchup. So I think Tua is totally fine. there. super easy to stack with Waddle um, and, or, or, you know, if it's cash, like you can probably pay him by or play him by himself. But I also think in cash, you should be, you should be playing with Waddle. Waddle just projects to be too strong of a play this week at his price. Justin Fields, uh, probably a pass for me. Not that I'm not that I'm shorting Justin Fields long term, but I think until they really let Justin Fields do his thing, especially around the end zone, uh, and and you know within the five yard line, like I, he's just he 
like Nagy's capping him, man. I, I just, I'm kind of, kind of over the field stuff right now. And then Baltimore has a negative 3.3 opponent plus minus against teams opposing quarterbacks. So like, I'll probably, I'll probably fade field this week in, in favor for guys like Cam and Tua. Defenses before we get to the shitter guy lineup and we'll see what we go here. I like the Texans at 2000 bucks. I'll make it easy. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I mentioned it when I talked about tight end and defense. Like, I think you find one or two that you like, and you plug them in, and you you don't you don't think about it too much. I think the Carolina defense at twenty seven hundred is fine. Um, I actually think if you're fading that Miami and uh, Jets game, playing Miami at twenty three hundred dollars is fine. Like, I mean, if you played Washington, like if I told you Washington was going to have a phenomenal day against Tom Brady, you'd just be like, you're, you're an idiot. I can't believe I'm taking advice from this guy. It's not like I said that, but the point is, is like, there's so much volatility in all of these defenses. So just don't think about it too much. There's two things that I would look for a team that has a bad offensive line and a team that is going to uh, need to throw the ball a lot to give you more opportunities for picks, um, forced fumbles, pressure, uh, pick six is super insane to predict, but just the more times you're, you're opposing quarterbacks throwing the ball is what you want to look at at defense. Which is the problem with the Texans. You need the Texans to do something early in this game to at least keep it close or potentially jump out to a lead because then they're not facing the proper right. volume. But they have a very good pass rush. Tennessee's offensive line is not great for pass blocking, but you just need to force them to throw, which is always the hardest thing against the Titans. And then the other one I would look at is the Saints. I think the Saints are a good defense. I think that it's going to be really difficult to run on them overall. They're only $2,900. They're underdogs in this game. I think they should be favored against the Eagles. And if you put Hurts into a pure passing situation, you're either getting multiple opportunities to sack him, which can most definitely happen, or he has to throw the ball 40 times, which is not great against the Saints defense. Totally agree on the Saints. Good call, Pat. All right. Yeah, those would be the two for me. Let's fill out. Yeah. Well, every week we do the uh, the play the best plays lineup. So essentially what it is, it's the shitter guy lineup. It's 10 minutes before lock on a Sunday Hodge, and I'm on the shitter. I got my phone out, and I'm making a team to throw in the millionaire maker. Who am I going with? Because I feel like it starts with A.J. Dillon. Uh, I, I could not agree more. Uh, you're taking the easier out here with A.J. Dillon. I think you just lock that up, and you don't think twice about it. Now the issue becomes, where else do we go with it? Sounds like Waddle is going to be pretty popular. Waddle, yeah. We are making you set a milli lineup, right? Yeah. Yeah, but, but Shitter yeah. guy doesn't know that. He doesn't know about correlations. He's just playing good guys. Okay, okay, got it. Great. That's what, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm trying to think about here. So, yeah, Waddle and Dylan are, without a doubt, the first two that we're going we're gonna to plug in there. I think uh, from there, we probably grab um, – let's free up some salary and let's just get rid of Uzuma at tight end. I actually think that that's a, it's a really strong play. I know you don't like it, but if you want to go somewhere else at tight end, I, we can. I, I don't mind it. I just worry that Shitter guy might not know who that is. Okay. Okay. So, uh, that's honestly probably very, very true. Do Dawson do Does a shitter guy know who Dawson Knox is? I mean, Tyler Conklin caught two touchdowns last night or I mean last week. So like he's a little more popular or like, are we just playing Kittle because shitter guy obviously knows who Kittle is. That's the move. George Kittle. The problem is now we have okay. 5,300 bucks left. How do we, yeah, dude, you're, what, 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 what do we do with a quarterback here? Yeah, shitter guy is going to get to his last three positions and see $3,200 in remaining salary and have to blow this lineup. Um, let's let's get rid of defense so we can free up salary, right? Yeah. 
I think I think Shitter guy's looking at his his salary right now. Also, Shitter guy's just too good. I think he's looking at his remaining salary right now, and he's like, "Oh, I gotta find a punt. What am I punting with?" Um, okay, Washington. I'm not punting. Yeah, he's he's like, yeah, he's definitely punting. Yeah, but what if he wants to play Cam Newton? Oh, that's true. Uh, how about Lions against crappy Baker? That could be one. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. But like, is Shitter guy really putting money on the Detroit Lions who just tied? Maybe you know for their first quote unquote win. Okay, yeah, great. They, Lions, yeah, it is. They're, they're on a hot streak. They're on a hot streak. I'm good. I'm good. So the Detroit Lions are going in at, at defense here for us at $2,100. Great punt. Now let's figure out quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I I genuinely think Shitter guy's playing Dak, dude. I'm not going to lie. Okay. So Dak. Think, yeah. In. Well, that means we can probably get rid of Kittle and we can put in Schultz. Uh, yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm absolutely down with that. Uh, Shitter guy got real smart because he was on the side listening to the the pat mayo podcast and you know where pat starts to talk about correlation he's like oh i gotta start getting some correlation in here so he puts in dalton schultz great great call shooter guy so that means we either go i mean that does that put tyreek hill automatically into this lineup then uh i do you think he's more apt to grab cd lamb coming off a really good game versus tyreek hill or what do you what do you think he's doing yeah i think we can or do, do you C- think we can do cd or or is like, oh, I, I need salary, Michael Gallup. Well, we already have Schultz in. That that's that's sort of the salary oh, that's saving true. play. That's so maybe true. we don't even go with Lamb. Let's go with Hill at eighty two and throw him in. That takes McCaffrey oh. off the board, which is tough. But we also have who are like the other? Who's like the other? Is Miles Gaskin? I mean, Chitter guy doesn't know the difference between playing Waddle and Gaskin. He probably throw Gaskin. Yeah, you're right. Or James Robinson. Hmm. I think he, I think J Rob's dealing with an injury for what it's worth. So DK might have that Q tag. Shooter guy's going to avoid the Q tag. I'll oh, yeah, tell yeah, you that right yeah. now. That's right. It's like avoiding the, the red <laughs> next to Oh, yeah. You'll see Miles Gaskin against the Jets 32nd next to it. Okay. We'll do that. Yes. Yeah. All right. So now we need a receiver and a flex. $5,200 remaining. Who's like the chalk? Uh, chalk. T, H- T. T Higgins. Higgins? Yeah. yeah. T Higgins, 5,200, right? Or 54, something like that. All right. So $5,000 so for a flex. 5k in the flex i think shitter guy is probably playing oh this is actually really tough there's not like he's not playing alex collins he's not i don't know what do you 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 i think you're tapped in more to the shitter guy than i might be you guys got a good wavelength going here what do you think he's doing at 5k well how much is kelsey kelsey's 71 okay let's do this not. let's take out hill we'll take out schultz and we'll put in okay. kelsey at tight end, and we'll put in okay. Lamb at receiver. Oh wow! Okay, what does that what does that do for us? Uh, that gives us thirty one hundred dollars. That that did the opposite of what I wanted it to do. All right, well that wasn't smart. Uh, Telling you, I think I think Shitter guy's playing Gallup, bro. All right, so we'll go Gallup. We'll put in Gallup at forty two. Now we have sixty five hundred for a flex. And who do we still we still have Kelsey at tight end? Yeah, we have Kelsey at tight end still. Yeah, I think I think I think that's actually probably where Shitter guy ends up. Uh, 6,500 in the flex. Am I looking at that math right? That is correct. So you could go Kittle, double tight end. Pittman, who you said. James Conner seems to be like he's going to be relatively popular. I would yeah, think. I think I think James I think James Conner is actually probably a good spot. I think Shooter Guy, over the last five to ten minutes of building this lineup, he has really upped his knowledge. He has been consuming <laughs> so much Pat Mayo media content that he's almost a professional player at this point. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to lock up the volume. I'm going to play James Conner because that's what Pat Mayo told me to do. And that only leaves 
uh, I think what a, a couple hundred on the on the table, and he's good to go. Yeah, at least four hundred on the table. If we want to upgrade our defense, we could. I suppose we could go back up to Washington because we did. Yeah, we could go. We, we didn't, didn't play, play Cam. Cam. Yeah, we didn't play Cam. Yeah. So there we go. Or he could he could move away from Gaskin or Waddle if he all of a sudden realizes like maybe that's some negative correlation because like I said, he's sharp now. He listened to this and he's sharp. What did you say? So you there's had, a lot that he could do. What did you say you had David Montgomery projected at? Pretty, pretty high, like 15 to 18%. All right. We'll go from Gaskin to David Montgomery then. Perfect. Lock up the volume play. Um, I'm going to save this one and I'm absolutely entering this into something on a Thursday. We just enter a blind and, uh, you know, don't dupe me, bro. Don't dupe me. Well, I'm chucking it in too. So it's Dak, AJ Dillon, David Montgomery. Waddle, Gallup, T. Higgins, Travis Kelsey, James Conner, and the Washington football team as your defense. This is actually a phenomenal lineup. I don't hate this at all. This is great. (laughs) Ryan Hodge, tell everyone where they can check you out. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Everyone just give me a follow on Twitter at Ryan Hodge. All my other stuff is right there. That's the best place um, to find all of the content that I create for fantasylabs.com. Also, um, send Ethereum to Ryan Hodge, as I gather by your Twitter name. Yeah, yeah, RyanHodge.eth. Uh, yeah, feel feel free to send me some ETH. But in fact, if you're going to send me some ETH, you you go buy more ETH and hold it because uh, we're going to the moon, baby. Really? I, I need to get more is what you're saying? There's no such thing as as having enough Ethereum or Bitcoin. Those those two blue chips, you just you just keep buying. Set those auto buys up on Coinbase or Coinbase Pro or whatever your, your exchange of choices. Always buy more, baby. More, more, more. All right. Ryan Hodge, thanks for being on. Check him out over at Labs and on his Twitter page. Remember to get the membership at runthesims.com slash mayo to get all those simulations and optimal and lineup generators. Plus, the cheat sheet will be up on Saturday on dknation.com. Play in the listeners league, smash the like, sub to the channel. That'll do it for me. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.